Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. And we got another Cup Series driver on the show with us today. As you can see, it is Ryan Priest of Stuart Haas Racing. Good to chat with Ryan. Exciting announcements on the personal front and also uh, on the racetrack as well. Been an up and down season. We chatted about that, including his trip to North Wilkesboro Speedway this past weekend and going to Charlotte this weekend as well. We're going to chat about both of those things in depth a little bit later on. But before we hear from Ryan, let's throw it over to Papa Siegel for this week's Way Back segment, paying homage to the number 186, I believe, he is still on location somewhere in Europe and or the Mediterranean Sea. So I will blindly throw it to you, Father. What you got? Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 186 and the best weekend of the year for race fans. Last time through the numbers, we highlighted, well, I'm not sure who we highlighted. You see, Mama Siegel and I are still overseas enjoying our cruise across the Med so I don't honestly know who we discussed a hundred episodes ago. Could have been Buck Baker, who scored the only cup win for the number. Could have been his son, Buddy, who also enjoyed success, but no wins in the number. Or it could have been Chick Hicks, the Cars movie antagonist who inflicted carnage in his number 86 at the Speedway of the South. Kuchega. Is it true, Chick, that you drove 86? because you thought you were twice as good as the king who drove number 43? Kachiga! Kachiga! Well, there you go. This is Memorial Day weekend, which for race fans means the trifecta of Monaco, Indianapolis, and Charlotte. Today, we remember an American racing great who drove in both F1 and Indy and was taken far too soon. Peter Rebson was the handsome heir to the Revlon Cosmetics fortune, but chose to race. He was known in F1 as the American racing hero and won twice at the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, as well as the Canadian Grand Prix at Mossport. In 1971, the year my Indy car fave Al Unser won his first 500, Rebson started from the pole in number 86 a McLaren, and finished second in the race. Sorry, Peter. Revson drove in the late 60s and early 70s, that terrible time when speed and race cars outpaced their safety and security. Different times, my friends. He was killed during a test session before the 1974 South African Grand Prix when an experimental suspension component in his car failed sending him dead on into an Armco barrier. He died instantly. Sadly, Peter Rebson was the second Rebson to lose his life racing. His brother Douglas was killed in a car crash in Denmark in 1967. 
after Peter Revson's death, he was replaced by Tom Price, who ironically and sadly died three years later in a crash at the same South African Grand Prix. Jeez, I'm on vacation and I'm depressing myself. That's all for this week. Enjoy the racing this weekend. Back to you, Doof. Thank you, Dad, for that homage to the number 86. I am blindly taking it back after I blindly threw it to you. So thank you for that, and thank you for the hard work while you're on vacation. My goodness, he could have just phoned it in and said, no, I don't need one this week. I don't got time to do it. But he did it again, if you know, you know. So thank you, Father. I appreciate it. Let's start off this episode as we always do with a good old-fashioned reggaeton. And throw it straight over to my interview with Ryan Priest of Stuart Haas Racing. He's got a lot going on on the personal front, on the professional front, on the home front. We got into all that and more in this conversation. Started it off, though, chatting about North Wilkesboro Speedway. He unfortunately was not in the main event and the big show, but he still took a lot of good things away from this race at North Wilkesboro Speedway, including how it could potentially work at um, one of the racetracks he grew up at. But he took a lot of good things away from this race at North Wilkesboro Speedway and how this concept could potentially be applied to some other racetracks that he is very, very fond of uh, up in the Northeast. We chatted about that, the season to date, that Talladega crash, the Martinsville pole and stage one victory, his relationship with Kevin Harvick. We sprayed a lot of fields here with Ryan and I'm very appreciative of his time and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So I'll shut up and get out of the way. Here is Ryan Priest on Victory Lane. Pleasure to welcome on to the show today, driver of the 41 NASCAR Cup Series Ford for Stuart Haas Racing. It is Ryan Priest, and I will introduce you the same way that I said hello to your PR girl, Marissa. What's up, boy? How you doing? Oh, man, you have quite the personality. I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm doing good, man. It's 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 all really good, and... Um, yeah, I just, honestly, you just saying that right there made my day that much better. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Uh, listen, we, we're coming off of North Wilkesboro. Unfortunately, you didn't make the main event. You didn't get a chance to run for a million bucks. But what did you think of the entire weekend? It seemed to be one of those events and, and weekends that everybody in the industry kind of collectively agreed. It was awesome, and it kicked ass. Oh, man, it was... <laughs> I just feel like in, in an era where there's so much negativity when it comes to social media and, and all those things, you didn't hear one bad thing and it was nice. And, and what Marcus Smith and everybody did there to create that event, it felt like I was a kid again, you know, running around. And, and when I was going to the, uh, the merchandise trailers and going to sign autographs and seeing the kids running around and, and it just had that throwback vibe. You had a concert going on. There was just so much and it was packed. Right. So it just, the environment, the energy as a race car driver, you thrive off that. So, um, unfortunately we didn't make the race. Uh, we, we made, obviously I felt like we were pretty fast in practice and, and we made adjustments to, to be that much better to try and really make sure that we would race our way in. And we just made the wrong ones and, and there's going to be days like that. So, um, you know, unfortunately we didn't make it, but it was certainly, it was cool to be there and experience that and, and see it, 
Um, and you know, if, if we do go back, it's, it's certainly, uh, we already have a notebook started. That begs the question. Everybody's trying to discuss and debate this week. If, and when NASCAR decides to go back to the racetrack, should it be an all-star race again, run that back, make it a points paying event? Should they go back at all? Where do you stand on that side of things? Well, I think we should, we should definitely go. Um, and I definitely think it should be a, a points race. I think there it's inevitable that we're going to have to repave it. It, it just, if the, the track keeps coming up and you keep trying to put a bandaid on it, it's uh, as much as I love the old surface and, and everything about it. I just think you're going to be, you're going to be forced into doing it. Right. So um, I, I definitely think that you can still create an awesome race and create and keep that atmosphere that we just had, because I think NASCAR really needs short tracks real authentic short tracks like North Wilkesboro and, and uh, you know, maybe there's, there's a lot more potential and maybe there's some other racetracks around the country that you can revive and, and bring back. Yeah. I mean, the, the list is, I don't want to say long, but there, there's a good list of racetracks that NASCAR's raced on for sure that could potentially be brought back to life. But you know, a small track like North Wilkesboro that doesn't have the up-to-date amenities in terms of, you know, creature comforts, fan amenities, safety-wise. It gets me thinking about these other local short tracks, cough, cough, Stafford, that could potentially host NASCAR races. I mean, is that too far of a bridge to cross to say that a track maybe like Stafford or smaller tracks that are operated and not necessarily big markets could potentially host NASCAR Cup Series racing in the near future? Well, to be honest with you, the, the Northeast, right? You build it, we'll come because we love our racing. And it was, I wasn't going to bring it up uh, when, before you brought it up, but they've put <laughs> safer barriers in and they've created opportunities. They've widened pit road. They've yeah. uh, made it better for the fan experience with all the updates that I've seen them do. So I think potentially that Stafford, Stafford could be a North Wilkesboro type of environment for sure. Um, and it would be cool to go to grassroots tracks, uh, that, that put, you know, they, they put into their facility and, and put an effort to give the fan that great experience. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think it would be cool to see a place like Stafford host, uh, you know, whether it was a truck or an Xfinity race and, and if it was capable of, of doing a cup race for an all-star event or something, I don't, I definitely think that racetrack could provide great racing. Um, and then, you know, the fans, they're there. I mean, it, there's, there's a want in the Northeast to, for racing. And, and so it's, uh, we only go up there, what, three times a year between Pocono, uh, walking and New Hampshire. So yeah. it, I know, I know the race fans love racing up there. I mean, like you said, the, I feel like the battle is, if not half, a little bit more than already there. Safer barriers are in place. SRX yeah. has been there, so that's a big show with <clears throat> national television. You've had yeah. ingress and egress every single weekend, but with a big show like that, I don't know who would get more excited about it, you or Kyle Ricky. I think he would probably be in <laughs> mind. <laughs> I think Kyle Ricky would definitely uh, – he would go nuts. Yes. I'm pretty uh, – growing up – um, I mean, basically sneaking into the pits at Stafford Motor Speedway, and and then you know, obviously winning a track championship there, and a lot of a lot of wins. Uh, it would be wild if that ever came to fruition. Yeah, I'm sure you're a little bit biased, but I mean, I brought it up, and I think that it's it, it's very <laughs> much doable, and it would be a 
a very yeah. fun sight to see. You know, so you've been at Stafford for your entire career. There's been some big events there, obviously. You've run in the Daytona 500 a handful of times. You're at North Wilkesboro this weekend. Where does this weekend's atmosphere and vibe kind of rank for you? Could you compare it to anything in your racing well, career? Because for me, it just seemed really, really different, more intimate than anything I've really been at. Yeah, so for me, there's only been um, really four races that really stick out of my mind that when you look at the Grand Sands, you're getting introduced, you're like, whoa. You know, you could feel that energy. One was my first Daytona, or I think it was 2020, the Daytona 500. That one was uh, was huge. Um, New London, the Waterford Speed Bowl, uh, when the Modified Tour went back there for the first time in like 15 or 20 years, place was packed. That was another one. Uh, there was the fall final last year uh, for the Stafford Motor Speedway, one of the big modified races. Or actually, I'm sorry, the uh, Spring Sizzler. And then there was last weekend, which last weekend, I mean, it would go Daytona 500 and North Wilkesboro. Yeah. But I'm just saying there's been four races in my entire career where I felt that energy that that had, and, and that was one of them. It was just, it was electric, and it was really cool to, to see an event be planned and executed like it was. And you know what? From a, from a fan experience, I don't know what more you could ask for. I agree. Uh, the pit crew challenges on Friday. That was a, a really fun, a different event. I always love all-star weekend because the pit crews get a lot of shine, usually in the driver intros for the main event, but we brought back the pit crew challenge this weekend. Uh, how was that to, to work in that type of environment? And for your guys, which I know you have a special relationship with to get the spotlight rightfully so shown on them a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those guys, uh, actually, we just had some some new, uh, I don't necessarily know if I should call them recruits, but they're always looking for new talent. And uh, there was about eight or 10 of them that were in this morning and they wanted me to come speak to them. And one of the things that I said is their job is just as important as everybody's, if not more, because if we have a green, white checkered and we come in fifth, but they get me out first, they just gave me the opportunity to go win that race where I might not have had it. So it's just, it just really puts the spotlight on those guys and, and, you know, somebody who's here every day with them and you see the work that they put in and they're always trying to better themselves. And, and to be honest with you, it's, it's a tough job. It's, it's not easy. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that I'd want it uh, cause it's, it's very tough. And yeah. there's a lot of pressure when we come down pit road for those 10 seconds or 11 seconds when we're at, you know, nine to 11 seconds in the box. So it was nice to, uh, to put the spotlight on them and give them the opportunity to, to give us uh, a good, good starting spot. I've noticed that you are particularly close with your pit crew and with your entire team, the road crew, Chad, everybody that works on your 41 car. It's not uncommon necessarily for drivers to have really good relationships with their crew, but to me, at least from the outside, you know, seeing you working in the gym with them almost every single day of every single week, that you guys have a bit of a different bond and, and you guys vibe really well together. Has that been something conscious on your part to try to make sure that you make a point to develop relationships with them? Or has this kind of come organically? Just take me behind the scenes and why you guys are so close and why you work so well together. Well... I mean, at the end of the day, if you want somebody to want something as bad as you, they need to see you working just as hard as them, right? So 
that that's just kind of been my my mo when it came to this team and and self accountability. If I don't have any self accountability accountability to be here in the morning, be working out, why should they? You know what I mean? Where, where's the want going to come from? So if they see me doing it, they see me doing everything that everything that you need to do, whether it's necessary or not, they're going to put in that little bit or that extra effort to to be great, just like I am. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that's where that all stemmed. And then everything from there on, it's just organic. You know, it's just uh it's a group of guys that you're around all the time and you get to know them and and it's just it they're they're a fun group. So obviously, um, you know, we feel like we wish the finishes would be a little bit better for us, uh, with just the way things have played out. It's it's unfortunate, but there have certainly been some uh some highs uh this year to look good on. So you know, going going into the 600 this weekend and and seeing the direction that we're heading as a group, you know, I hope that this can be the start of, of building some momentum for June, July, August, because uh, I feel like our short tracks are really good and that's where our kind of bread and butter is going to be. I feel like we have to put a big emphasis on St. Louis and trying to capitalize there, but maybe as well as Nashville or some of the road courses where we can gain some of these points. So you mentioned it right there. It's been a bit of a roller coaster year. Had a lot of ups. Martinville, Martinsville comes to mind, which we'll get to. A lot of downs as well. Talladega comes to mind. We'll get to that too. How would you kind of assess things right now? I guess we're at the halfway point of the regular season post-All-Star race. 13 races down, points paying that is, 13 to go. What kind of grade would you give yourself? Where do you think you guys stand right now? It's hard. Um feel like there are some things we need to clean up on um there was a the the miscue on pit road right for speeding that that lost our track position where i felt like we were a car that we weren't if we didn't give up the lead i feel like we we never would have gave it up because our car was so good in clean air or at least up front um bristol dirt is something that i don't necessarily do and i felt like we had a lot of speed there as well so um our super speedway stuff has been fast just we need to continue to get better on the on the mile and a half. So that's that seems to be our Achilles heel and and qualifying. Um, we just get behind the eight ball and it's hard to hard to get back. Right, you guys hear about it all the time. Track positions, everything. So we're just we need to qualify better. We need to run better at the mile and a half. And I think everything else from there goes better. So um, I don't really know what to give ourselves on for a grade because I feel like there's a lot of potential. It's just, we haven't broke through right now. You know, I think you guys saw it, you know, I, I don't want to beat on it, but the clash right then and there, it, it, we, we were fast. We were really yeah. fast. And I think if you didn't know how the season was going to go the first half, you would have said we could be contenders and, and possibly contend for wins, right? Uh, Martinsville showing another thing, getting the pole and then leading laps. We just, we need to continue to beat that drum of of perfection and and uh, you know execute. I felt like that's where we just need to to finish the races. Where there's certainly been races where we've run, you know, top fifteen, top ten, and and then come the end of the race, whether it's a penalty or or something else that takes away that finish. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'd like to have something to show for as well as Chad and all of us, and and uh, you know that's where that whole mindset comes from moving forward. You mentioned Chad, led me to my next point right there. I know that you are among the most hungry drivers in the Cup Series. I'd probably put Chad in that same sentence when it comes to crew chiefs atop the pit box as well. 
He obviously had been in the Cup Series before, just like you, and you guys have had success together in the lower series. Bringing him up, working together, it kind of seems like a no-brainer on paper. Has it been what you've expected so far, working together in the Cup Series and racing 36 times a year, what will be, rather than you know just a handful here and there? Oh, absolutely. I I want to go to battle with that guy any day of the week. I don't care if it's a go-kart, a bicycle race, or a cup race. I mean, he is, <laughs> as far as a relationship goes, a crew chief, and and having having tough discussions, whether you agree with each other or not, I can have that because I feel like him and I, from a personality standpoint, we have self-accountability. We, you know, if I do something wrong, I'm going to own it. If he feels like he could have done something different to help me. He owns it. And that's where, you know, we both get along so well. Um, so yeah, no, I feel like from that standpoint, we're just, we're working on as a group. I mean, it's been 13 races together as a group. We've led laps, we've gotten a pole. So there are some things that you can really say, Hey, this, this has a lot of potential. We just got to, we got to finish it off. We got to get the finishes, and and from there on out, we can we can continue building. But right now, obviously, I feel like our short track program is really really good. Um, our super speedway programs are really really good. I'm not a road course racer by any means, but I felt like we were going to have a good day at Coda, and uh, we just we'll keep working. That's that's what it comes down to. You work hard enough, you'll get the results. You mentioned your short track program in Martinsville. You referred to that a little bit earlier. Obviously, won the pole there, led the first stage, got that first playoff point under your belt. Um, I'm curious in qualifying, though, right? I remember watching the session and seeing you put down that lap, and I'm like, all right, that's, that's a pretty damn good lap. See if it holds up. Obviously, it holds up. Uh, and Kevin's reaction to you after qualifying was kind of interesting as well. He was a bit surprised, too. Um, did you expect to have that quick of a lap and did you expect it to hold up? You didn't believe in me? You didn't I did. Think I'm, I'm curious if you believed in yourself, <laughs> Ryan. Oh, I believe in myself. I wouldn't be here right now. If I didn't believe in myself, I'd probably be in Berlin, Connecticut, working on a modified right now or, or doing something different. I might be, be a plumber, but, um, no, I know I can, I believe that I can win races. I promise you I've won plenty in the past. So it's not just cause I'm racing a, a cup car. doesn't mean I don't think I can. Um, but yeah, no, it was really cool when he ran up and basically grabbed my neck and pulled me like a dog. I, yeah, I, I was, was like, damn, like, it's kind of rough. I was little, it easy. <laughs> no, it was cool because you know, he's somebody that I've leaned on quite a bit, uh, as a racer, but more as a mentor, uh, somebody that I can ask questions to. So, for him to be as excited as I was in that moment and, and see me succeed in, in that moment, uh, even though it was a little victory, it wasn't a big victory. It was, it was cool. You know, it, it's just, um, that was really neat. Did it, hey, if you told Ryan priest when he was 10 years old or 15 years old, that Kevin Harvick was going to grab you around the neck after you got a pole in a good way, uh, it would, it would be pretty cool. So, yeah. As your teammate, no less too. As my teammate, and you want to know what? It's funny. Ryan Newman did the same thing when I won the all-star uh, modified race up in New Hampshire. So oh, yeah? want to be something about these cup guys and just grabbing people around <laughs> by the neck. Well, yeah, I remember uh, I think Larson won one time. It might have been Michigan or Fontana or something. And Chip Ganassi's wrangling the neck. I think it was of Chad. Um, <laughs> like back in the, I think I'm pretty sure it was Chad. And yeah. uh, after the race, people were just joking that it like choke slammed him out. So. I don't know. Yeah. It must be something. But on Martinsville, I mean, that's a short track. 
You had laps there outside of the cup car. Obviously, your comfort level is pretty high there. So are you looking at some other short tracks coming up here? I know that the summer doesn't really have too many, but before the regular season ends, are those kind of the racetracks that you guys are highlighting to potentially run well and even maybe sneak out a win to make the playoffs? We got to sneak out a win. To, to, we, we're going to have to really emphasize um, St. Louis, New Hampshire. Those are all tracks that those those fit my style. The the driving it in, heavy braking, downshift, the whole thing. It, it's similar to what I I excel at. So I would say those two. Uh, Nashville, I've had pretty good success at. So there's there's three tracks where I feel like we have opportunities, right? If If we show up and we do everything right, we could could have really good days, um, but right now I know we're only I think we're like sixty points out of of sixteenth in the points, which is wild because we had anything and everything that could could go wrong at the beginning of the season pretty much has. But um, you know I feel like we can we can turn it around and and we can we can start you know, getting some points and and like I said for those three races I got those circled right now to to put a a lot of effort in. I put a lot of effort into things right now, but I feel like those three are really going to be something that I focus on and and uh, try to sneak one out. Going back to Kevin and your relationship with him, you mentioned that he's been a mentor to you for the past couple of years. I think that your guys' relationship first started back at Stafford, and he was sponsoring like a, a race break or, or something. Oh, he actually sponsored uh, the contingencies. That's right. So- okay. Yeah. So what it was is actually, so I raced full time in an SK and, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, I would race three to four times a week and that's how I made my money to, to live. You know, I would go work on race cars and on the weekend based off the percentage of whatever the car brought in is, is how I, you know, made my living. Right. So when Kevin made a, um, I think it was $200 a week or maybe it was five. I, I can't, I can't remember the exact amount. I want to say it was $250 a week towards the winner's bonus. Right. Well, that made a difference in somebody like me if I won the race. I mean, yeah. that's how we, so I walked up at California um, in March of 2018 and I thanked them. And then that just created, you know, that that first started that he knew who I was, obviously, a little bit before that. But then at Bristol, when I won, I think it was the week after, or two weeks after, uh, he was the first one that I, when I was driving up the, the building to, you know, give me the, the fist bump. So that that's really how that relationship started. What'd you think when he gave you that fist bump? You're like, Oh man, he doesn't it's just cool. know who I am. He knows what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. All I thought of was this guy just stuck around here for two and a half hours. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. Must really yeah. meant something. And obviously, you know, besides the mentorship on the driving side, the business side obviously is very important and he's helped you a lot as has KHI and Josh and everybody over there on the management side too, which definitely can't be overlooked. I'm sure. No, absolutely. Um, you know, the Morton buildings, Hunt Brothers Pizza relationship that that he's helped me with. And and I've built a building with Morton uh, myself. Uh, growing up, my father and I, we were racing. Um, you know, we race out of our house, our, our home garage. Uh, and then we, we rented a few different shops over time. But when my father was able to put up a building behind his house, uh, not probably not until I was about 24, um, that was really cool. So when I moved down here and, and Heather and I found our house and our lot, I wanted to put up a building and I wanted to put up a shop like my father's that he built. So I used Morton for that. And 
it's uh as a racer when you have your own race shop and you have all your your own tools and you can kind of tinker around on things it's it's really neat so um definitely love my morton building love that sponsor plug in there well done um <laughs> real quick on on talladega i know you said that that hit was definitely p1 for you in terms of just the the ferocity and what you yeah. experienced there and i know nascar took both your car kyle's car back to the r d center they said they're going to make some enhancements and some safety updates Anything else from that crash that you've either learned since or maybe experienced, have a better appreciation of just in the, in the last couple of weeks since then? I mean, just watching the replay, like unbelievable still. I mean, in the moment and, and just watching it back a month later, I just, man, gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable. Make sure your crash belts are really tight. Make sure they <laughs> hold you in. Oh, man. <laughs> but it, oh, uh, boy. It's, uh, yeah, it was it was a heavy hit obviously all the safety and uh, the safety equipment did its job. I got out of the car. I wasn't limping. I wasn't, you know, hurt. Um, it certainly, it certainly as a race car driver did not feel good. It, anytime you, you hit a car that hard, it's, it's, it's going to hurt. But, um, but yeah, no, just, uh, I think, you know, as race car drivers now, we, we sometimes forget that, when we take risks, there could be repercussions. Right. And I'm not saying I took any risk at that point, but at mile and a half, or when you put yourself in a bad situation that this is still a dangerous sport. Right. And, and anything can happen. We hope it doesn't, but um, you know, I'm happy to say that I have some of the best guys in, in the fab shop to mount my seat and to make sure that, that I can go through a wreck like that and still walk out and see my wife and, and see my family. Those crotch belts, man. I'll They'll get, get you. you every time. They <laughs> will get you. You don't want to experience that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll just – I'll live vicariously through you. We'll leave it at that. Uh, um, your dad, uh, he's been obviously very instrumental in your racing career, and I know at Darlington you got the chance to throw back to him with a really, really cool throwback. You were just one number off. You take the one off and you were good to go. But uh, that yeah. car was pretty cool. I, In my opinion, when it comes to throwbacks, I mean, I really like Chase Elliott's throwing back to his dad. Yours yeah. was similar – simple is better and yours was simple but it was really really well done so it's funny i didn't realize so many drivers were throwing back to their fathers you had me ryan blaney chase Elliott. i had no idea i just i thought to myself um you know i had done throwbacks in the past and it was cool to honor those guys that i wanted to do of from the northeast right but I don't think my father ever would have thought he, his race car would be on a cup series racetrack. And, and like my dad said, and to me, he's like, man, I, I ran, you know, seventh or eighth at, at our local racetrack, but he never had anybody to help him like I did. Right. So sure. I had the opportunities. It was, he raced because he loved building cars and, and having fun. He always wanted to do it. So I thought as, as his son, that this would be, the best gift that I could ever give him. And I don't think anything will ever top it. And to be honest with you, when we surprised him with the car, we wrapped a car that looked just like the one I raced at Dover. We showed him it and I've never seen my father almost tear up, but that was, that was pretty cool. So, and, and going back to what you're talking about, simple is better. Absolutely. I mean, I, I grew up looking at that car when I was a little kid uh, the blue roof is really what really stood out to me. Um, and I've never driven a car that looked like that. So it was, uh, it was a nice touch to, to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. 
another thing that I've been interested to get your take on is, you know, the schedule that you have this year in the Cup Series. You've obviously run a Cup schedule before, but, you know, you're the type of guy that's used to racing 70, 80, 90, 100 times a year in all these different vehicles all across the Northeast. <clears throat> Presumably, you're running some stuff, some modifies, but not in the 90 to 100 races a year type range. What's that adjustment or, I guess, readjustment, because you've done it before, been like for you this year, just not running the quantity of races that you're used to? Well, I've replaced my time with being here at SHR. Uh, the time that I would normally spend working on my race car or traveling to a race, I'm here every morning. I start my morning at 7 o'clock, just like everybody else here, um, and I leave here whenever the job's done. There is no end time. So that's that's how I've replaced my time. But, um, you know, certainly as a race car driver, I'd love to be at the racetrack every day, every minute, driving a race car. Um, but I feel like I can, I can do more by being here right now to, to do things that I want to be in the cup series for many years to come. I want to win, you know, at this level and, and be a, um, and be somebody that, you know, is a contender week in and week out. So me racing a modified right now or or something isn't, isn't going to help that at this point in time. So I feel like there's a lot more I can do here now. I'm curious, um, you know, you can look on racing reference and see like when the shift happened from running full seasons with JD Motorsports or premium to running partial schedules with Gibbs or junior motorsports. What was the, the mindset shift and when did that happen for you in terms of going from quantity to quality, right? You could run a full year in a JD car and, you know, run top 20 in points, or you could run a handful of races in a top tier car, top tier equipment and win like you did. When was that shift for you and why'd you make that change? Well, it wasn't ever, um, to be honest with you, I've never had the funding to, to go and race for some of those teams early on. Uh, it really, I was waiting for a phone call when I was 22, 21 racing in the Northeast winning races. And, and sometimes those calls don't come right. Tommy Baldwin, um, said, Hey, he called me in 20 in 2013 and said, Hey, do you want to race Loudon in an Xfinity car? Well, that, that turned into one race. And then the next year, uh, I did two races and really what Tommy ended up doing was getting me through NASCAR's approval process to be able to race on any, any size racetrack in, in whether it was cup Xfinity or trucks, I was approved to do it all based on how he did it. And I didn't have the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to go do those things like some people had. So that's why, you know, the the three Xfinity starts I made uh, and the five Cup Series starts before 2016, that's why we did those things is so I was approved. And then 2016, it was it was go race for uh, JD. And, and, you know, there there is a lot of experience that I gained, um, along the way, but there was certainly, you know, there's hurdles as a driver. And I think you guys could talk to Ross about it, that, um, it's tough to, to go win races and, you know, sometimes there are struggles that you fight later in your career because, you know, we could have, let's say we finished 10th at Darlington, you know, in 2016, that's like a win sometimes because sometimes you are down sets of tires or, there's a lot of things you overcome that a lot of fans don't understand that you're trying, you're on a different 
schedule or a different race uh, than some of these other teams. So when 2017 came or really at the end of 2016, <laughs> I moved home. I was, I was racing. I was working for a, a modified owner full-time. I was racing for him full-time and I had not many intentions of, of coming back down and, and moving down here, but it was, so I lived in Kevin Bono Mannion's uh, race shop, which he actually won the truck race with Kyle Larson this weekend. Well, I lived in his shop and uh, he called me when the announcement came out about Carl Edwards retiring and Daniel Suarez was moving up and all of a sudden they had races open. Usually they put drivers in full time, so they don't have part-time schedules that they can just fill races in with. So I called Steve D'Souza and, and said, Hey, you know, what would it take to put me in a car for a couple of races? And, and, you know, lucky enough for me, I had sponsors and people that wanted to help me. So I did whatever it took to make it happen. And ultimately I borrowed money in the end, but that was probably one of the best risks and investments that I've ever made myself in my life. I want to be conscious of your time, but I got a couple more hard hitters. Can you stay for a couple more? Yeah, you're fine. All right. Hardest hitting question here. I heard that you have a new addition to the family and or the farm. A new baby horse is in the priest family. Congratulations, dad. Yeah. And, and my wife's actually pregnant as well. So there's a, there's a lot of babies. There going you go. 23. Yeah. Yep. Wow. The horse's name is Rocky. I love it. I yep, love it. And it's, and it's horse because uh, they, they name horse like they have weird little sayings with them. Uh, it's called that's a him pro or that's a you problem. <laughs> I guess it is. And uh, I guess the the uh, the lap belts by your crotch, I guess they worked well. It was before that. So <laughs> <laughs> it worked before. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm also told that it's the freeloader farm. Like what yep. one of the sides is the shop. And one of the sides is the actual farm. You tend to spend a lot of time on one side and your wife tends to spend a lot of time on the other. Yes. Yep. That is a hundred percent correct. <laughs> and, and you want to know what? Here's, here's, here's marriage for you. I'm actually putting a, another, a, like a storage addition on my race shop so I can store barn uh, hay and other things that don't relate to race cars. So she's, she's, Moving into my side. Mm. I don't know how I feel about it. I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure that was totally your call. Yeah. It is what Not it is. You yeah. win some, you lose some, right? That's right. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, I didn't know this until I was doing research. Um, I didn't know that you met your wife through racing at Stafford. You won the championship. She won rookie of the year and you fell in love and the rest is history, right? That is a hundred percent how it went. She actually <laughs> didn't like me very much before that. I know. I just, I won her over, so... You want her over with your talent or your charming good looks? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> we will. We, the world may never know, but hey, you're uh, you're doing all right for yourself now. On a serious note, when it comes to Heather, um, the fact that she has a background in racing, you know, you've spoken about this before, but she'll call you out on your BS and she will hold you accountable, right? Because she has been there before and she understands what it takes to be successful. I know she hasn't raced at the Cup Series level, but she knows what it takes to be a successful race car driver. And I would assume that having that background and that kind of shared common interest, that that leaves a lot of, of common ground that you guys can carry together. And a lot of couples can't say that in the racing world. You, you'd be surprised. Some of the, uh, some of the racing couples that I've been around, they, they talk about the same thing. So it's the ones that have been around in racing for sure. Right. So, uh, yeah, 
I think in the moment, I think I say to Heather when she's being brutally honest, I say, can you at least give me 24 hours? But, you know, I do appreciate <laughs> that because she's real. You know, she understands um, certainly what us race car drivers, the highs of highs and the lows of lows, how they can be like. So um, it's it's nice to to go through life with somebody that understands that. Do you follow the NFL at all? A little bit. Do you know who Will Levis is? Nope. I don't well, follow it a, that much. Well, he was a first-round draft pick. He's a new quarterback of the Titans, and he went to your high school. Where? Xavier? Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. What year? <laughs> uh, 2018 is when he graduated. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So like Nine, year, nine, nine years, years after later. you, right? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And Jeff Bagwell, who I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was like a great second baseman for the Astros. He went to your high school, too. Yeah, there's been quite a few athletes that have come out of there. I looked it up. You're you are on the Xavier High School famous alumni list, so I think you can oh, retire no happy now. Yeah, I am on it. There we go. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, let's close with the racing question. Try to tie it in here. We got the 600 this weekend. Obviously, not your first rodeo. You've run in the 600 a handful of times. You know the deal. Do you prepare any differently for this race? Is it more mentally, physically taxing than any other week just because of its length? Yeah. So from a hydration standpoint, you definitely need to be hydrated. And, um, cause it's so long, I think last year was five and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long that race was. I mean, that's it was the longest here. race mileage wise in NASCAR history. Cause it was overtime or double overtime. Yeah, I believe it. Um, <laughs> it seemed like forever. Uh, but yeah. So for me, it's just trying to figure out where your car needs to be at the beginning in order to have it good at the end. Right. We all talk about that because the track goes through. That is one of the most temperamental racetracks that we go to. I feel like from, from day to night, from track temp to, to cooling off. So um, you really, it's going to be extremely important to, to keep up with the racetrack and, and with communication on how much you need. And at one point in the race. So I think those are, those are the most important things. Um, after we hang up here, I'm going to do some editing and my TikTok will be posted tonight. So you and Heather can have a good laugh. Hopefully. There we go. I always, I look forward to them. They're the best. Priest lightning, baby. Priest lightning. Yep. Well, unfortunately you won't have me in it this week. So yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe soon, maybe this week we'll have a good week and I can, I can be in your videos. I made your day for saying, yeah, boy. And yeah, you'll make boy. my week if uh, if I'm able to put you in the video for good reasons. So I'm That's hoping right. that'll be the case at the, at the 600. That's right. I appreciate it, man. Well, hey, uh, I appreciate you carving out, Tom. I know it's a busy week for you and a busy time of year. Uh, I really appreciate it. Good luck in the 600 this weekend, and we'll be chatting soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks. And we are back. Whew. What a guy, huh? Not every day that you can joke with a Cup Series driver about uh, his, you know, what's being protected in a big crash. Uh, And as well, him announcing that Heather is pregnant. So congratulations to them. I don't know if that was uh, public information or not. If it was, then I just missed it. And if it's not, thank you for breaking the news here. Uh, Looking forward to a little priest coming into the world and Priest Lightning Jr. Maybe roaming the NASCAR garage here. For years to come very very awesome congratulations to them thank you again to ryan for the time and thank you as well to marissa fuller of true speed for helping coordinate that conversation we were getting linked up all the way back at bristol dirt and finally got this on ryan's calendar so i'm appreciative of her for making sure that this chat was able to happen as well 
You guys heard in that chat with Ryan, we were chatting about North Wilkesboro Speedway. I am still recovering. Um, I did not put on any sunblock, so I got a little bit red. Not as red as Andrew Curlin, though. Oh, my God. The producer for uh, Door Bumper Clear. I'll tell you, if you listen to this show, you probably listen to DBC. Andrew sent me a picture. I texted him after I listened. I was like, I also got a little bit sunburnt, so don't feel too bad. He's like, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. And then he sent me the picture of himself, and holy bejesus. That boy is usually pale. He is red as a tomato. Oh, my God. He needs aloe bad, big time. Uh, Brett was not exaggerating. Anyways, I digress. It was a great time out there in North Wilkesboro. Um, what an insane atmosphere. Unbelievable crowds showed up. Unbelievable facility. I will be totally honest, and I said this for the episode last week. I was a bit nervous about parking. I was a bit nervous about how it was going to handle 30, 35,000 people on Sunday afternoon and evening. But the facility, Marcus... Steve Swift, Jessica Fickenshire, they did an incredible job, incredible job making sure that this event went off without a hitch and was an absolute slam bang of a racing show. Now, the race itself, which we'll talk about just real quick because it was, frankly, a snoozer, uh, Kyle Larson won, dominated the thing, third all-star race win at his third different track that he's won an all-star race at, well-deserving victory. Clearly the best car, clearly the best driver, no arguing that whatsoever. So the race kind of sucked, but the event and the week in general was just so awesome. And it felt different. It felt new. It felt old, but new, right? I was walking into the Winston Tower, the one off turn four that everybody always takes pictures of. And I did not know what to expect going inside. I didn't know if it was going to kind of be as old as it looks, if it was going to be somewhat updated. That place is state of the art. Oh my gosh. Uh, You can see it from the outside a little bit, but you go in there, it is a brand new SMI type style suite. And then you go down like a half a floor or a floor, and then you got hospitality areas and buffets. It was incredible, incredible. And the media center from everybody's accounts Where the stage was for the press conferences and the bathroom, that is where there was the abandoned care center where there were bloody gurneys just sitting there, graffiti on the wall. It was was eerie as hell, Uh, the pictures were at least. And the fact that we were all sitting in there doing our work with air conditioning, with Wi-Fi connectivity, with lights, with everything that you need to be able to do your job efficiently and correctly – it was amazing. Um, all the people that were working in the parking lots from security to track operators to the public relations staff to the social, like everyone just did an incredible job. And I think something that also needs to be pointed out, I'm guilty of this is this industry is somewhat cynical, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of negativity at times about all the the racing sucks. The package sucks. This track is is bad. Oh, there's nobody in the stands. Oh, there's nobody watching. Whatever, whatever. It's rare that you can have an event and a few days stretch that everybody is in agreement and happy about something, that something is good, that something is positive. I think we all felt that way about the Clash last year when it kind of had its inaugural event, right? I think this year the Clash to a certain extent as well. North Wilkesboro this year was that for me, for sure. I mean, I was 
I was driving about 45, 50 minutes there and back each and every day. And that's nothing compared to some other teams that were driving from Charlotte about an hour, hour and a half or so. And I was just thinking like on my drive there and drive back, you know, it's just through the hills of North Carolina and this highway that is just kind of barren nothingness. I can't believe that there was a racetrack here and people showed out like crazy because I am, I'm 26 years old. I am a millennial Gen Z who is used to and accustomed to tracks in major metropolitan areas, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Fort Worth, Vegas, Phoenix, right? Like all these places, some old, some new that have been around for a long, long time that are in major cities that can get the casual fans, so to speak. What made North Wilkesboro special to me in part was because it was so much out there and it was in the middle of nowhere in Wilkes County that if you were going to go out there, you are not a casual race fan. You're hardcore because you had to spend a lot of money on tickets. You had to figure out logistics on how to get there. You had to deal with traffic, even though there was barely any uh, from what I understand. So congratulations to them for making that happen. The point is, this is not just like a Phoenix, Texas, Vegas, Homestead, whatever race where you could just show up if you live in Miami or, or wherever and just be like, yeah, NASCAR's in town. I'll go to the race. You had to plan well in advance, well ahead, save up money to go to this track. And the fact that there were only 30, 35,000 people there too, way more intimate, right? I mean, no disrespect to Daytona or, you know, Indianapolis. Those, those tracks are some of my favorites and they're huge. But you don't get the feeling of intimacy there because there's so many people. They're so far away from you. And frankly, a lot of them aren't as interested as they would be at a track like North Wilkesboro Speedway. I mean, you, you could feel like you could touch the fans. You could touch the race cars. It, it legitimately felt like a step back in time, like a local short track. Reminded me of kind of the K&M Pro Series days when we were on these bull rings out west and in the northeast and the southeast. And they were legit short tracks. Now, this one was a bit juiced up because you had safer barriers. You had the NASCAR Cup Series flair, pomp, circumstance, glitz, glamour vibe to it. But at the end of the day, it's still North Wilkesboro, right? You still had the Winston Tower. You still had the red and white lettering. You still had the painted stripes on the wall. You still had the same abrasive racing surface, the same one that was laid down in 1981, for goodness sake. And you still had all the remnants of the last race there in 1996. All that SMI, Dale Jr., Marcus Smith did is spruce up the joint. And they spruced it up enough that it could hold and function for a Cup Series race. But they didn't get rid of its essence, which I think is the most important thing. They absolutely nailed it. They did an incredible job. I'm sure that they're probably this week going back and thinking about what they can do better for next year, but as we talked about with Ryan, we'll see what they decide to do next year. If they go back at all, if they run the all-star race again, if they have a points-paying race there, if they decide to repave. Marcus Smith said he would be keen to let it go as long as it can. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I would probably say that it's a safe bet that they are going to go back there next year in some form or fashion, whether it's Trucks and Cup again, whether it's Xfinity added to the mix. I don't know, but that track did so well this weekend. The racing itself was not bad. The Cup Series race was bad, but I think you could probably blame the car for that more than anything else, and I know that's not a hot take. That's kind of B 
beating a dead horse. Truck Quest is pretty good. Cars Tour was awesome. ASA was great. So I don't think that the track needs anything done to it. I think it's the race car. Um, and also, by the way, the Cup guys are all-stars for a reason. They're pretty freaking good. So that's why they weren't spinning out a whole lot. Point is, I think that this track at this point, it's too, it's too beloved. And you can't just let it sit there after you poured in millions of dollars from the state of North Carolina, the federal government, and SMI, obviously, forking over a handful of mil as well to revitalize and revamp this racetrack, give it a facelift that it so much deserves. You can't just let it sit now. You might as well use it, and I think that's what we're going to see moving forward. But Kyle Larson wins the race. The fans and the industry win the week. What a special, special race, a special event, special time, special vibe out in Wilkes County. I had a blast and appreciate everybody going out and saying hello as well. And we roll on in Charlotte Speed Weeks to Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Coca-Cola 600. NASCAR's longest race back once again. Motorsports Christmas, breakfast in Monaco, lunch with a glass of milk on the side at Indianapolis, and dinner in Charlotte, washing it down with a nice cold Coca-Cola. I cannot wait for it. I'm so excited. I always am. This is one of my favorite days of the year, and I'm all jacked up for it. Now, real quick on the NASCAR side of things, I think you're probably going to see what we have been accustomed to seeing this year, which is Hendrick Motorsports being really quick on the mile and a half tracks. Joe Gibbs Racing being probably a step or two behind them. Penske, Stuart Haas, Trackhouse 2311, they're all going to be chasing Hendrick. Now, this race, it also has attrition come into play because 600 miles is a long, long night. And last year, as I mentioned with Ryan, it was the longest race in NASCAR history because it was overtime or double overtime. So you're going to have to keep your nose clean. You're going to have to stay out of the mess. And I think if you do that, you have already put yourself in a position when it comes down to the final green flag run or whether it's overtime, green, white, checkered, whatever. You're going to have to put yourself in a position where you can capitalize on other people's misfortunes. Um, that's what Kyle Larson and Chase Briscoe were able to do last year. Then they wrecked, and Denny Hamill was able to go right on through, capitalize, and win his first ever Coke 600. So I am so jacked up for it. I'm jacked up for Indy, and of course, breakfast in Monaco starting off the day. Motorsports Christmas, people. I cannot wait. And that will wrap things up for episode 186 of Victory Lane Party, people. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you again to Ryan Priest for the time. Thank you to Marissa Fuller for helping coordinate that conversation. And most importantly, thanks to you for tuning in this week and carving out your precious time. If you like what you heard here today, please do me a favor. It does help. I know it sounds trivial, but this is how we spread the word, spread the gospel of Victory Lane. Leave a rating and a review. You can do so on Apple, the green app, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Usually, wherever you get your podcasts, we should be available there for your consumption and if we're not please let me know drop me a line on twitter instagram facebook tiktok whatever text me if you're listening you probably have my number um and i'll try to get that rectified for you i'm looking forward to seeing what we get this weekend out in charlotte and i'm looking forward to chatting about it here with you right here next week at this time of the week we'll be back with another guest from the world of nascar until then enjoy monaco enjoy indy enjoy charlotte stay safe have a good Memorial Day weekend, and we will talk to you on the flip side, party people.